Hi everyone, my name is Wanawana and you are welcome to a brand new program called Lifestyle and Fertility, which is of course brought to you by Nordica Fertility Center. Now on the show, we're going to speak with celebrity guests. We'll also talk to industry experts, all right? We'll be talking to Dr. Bayomi Ajayi of Nordica Fertility Center about fertility issues. Sometimes we'll have some other guests and some other experts as well on the show. But you know what we're going to do? We're just going to crack on with it. So after the break, I will be revealing our first guest. Stay tuned. You're listening to Lifestyle and Fertility right here on this station. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to the show. And yes, our guest today is a very dear friend of mine. <laughs> She's a wonderful TV personality, newscaster. Blah, 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 blah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Victoria Pepple. Drum roll. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. You have so many interesting stories to share with us. And I don't even know we can uh, exhaust it within the time that we have. As much as we can. Yes. But of course, you know that the show is about, you know, health, fitness, nutrition, and fertility as well. These are things that are very important to us here on the program. And you have a reproductive health story that you're going to share. So let me let you just take the floor. Go into it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. um, I think I was about 24 and I first noticed that, no, I've always had heavy flu. In secondary school, my period was like heavy and I was used to wonder that why, but you know, you just take it like that. But at 24, something happened that really changed my perspective on things. I, in 30 minutes, I had filled up um, the sanitary pad I was wearing. I had stained my friend's car. Like, I didn't even tell him I was on. I was coming from church. I did a quickie. Oh, let me just see you. Let me just ease myself. And then I was going to pass on mm-hmm. to someplace else from there. But all of a sudden, he's like, okay, let me drop you off. And I had stained the car. So I was, you know, it was embarrassing at that age. Um, told my parents about it. No, he told me, my friend told me that you need to get this thing checked out. It's probably fibroids because my mom has it. So I told my folks about it. We had it checked out. And it wasn't kind of, it wasn't shocking because my mom has had a few surgeries, you know, so it's in the family. So I have those ones removed. Um, immediately I, I had it removed. So this was at 20, 24? 24. So you had you had the first surgery at 24? At 24. Okay. And then as I was getting older, you know how age comes, people tend to put on weight. I was putting on weight. I thought it was a normal something. My belly was getting rounder. I thought it was a normal. <laughs> but I noticed that each time I lay on my tummy, I would feel something. I knew that I had fibroids again but i didn't know how many i didn't know that this situation was kind of serious so um until i started bleeding really heavily um i would be dressing up for work you know how you wear your clothes and get your makeup done and then between wearing the clothes and the makeup out i've stained myself i have to change my outfit so i'm like this is pretty serious so and you know the thing about this can's the fact is uh, the ultrasound, ultra scan doesn't tell you everything um, because there's some fibroids hiding behind some others. So one time it would be six, another time it would be nine, sometimes it would be 11. Just never told me, you know, the true story. And then when it got to a point that my tummy was embarrassingly big, I said, okay, you know what, maybe I should start working out. Were people uh, asking you if you're pregnant? Yes. I had people say, oh, congratulations. Oh, no. And then I would curse them. Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know? So, um, I, I decided to um I started working out and then I knew that I was losing weight everywhere except for the tummy. Okay, there's something going on here. And uh, so I started taking the thing seriously. So I think the last scan I did, I think I saw about eleven or sixteen, thereabout. I'm like, okay, fine, you're going to take it out. So I decided to take it out. Um I approached Dr. Jai. 
when he saw this car, he said, this one, <laughs> pass me. Please, go and do a myomectomy, abdominal myomectomy. Because normally, there are several procedures. If you want to be an outpatient, a laparoscope, yeah. you can use that and take it out. If it's not many, if it's bleeding and it's disturbing you. And it's a trend in Nigeria. Now, because it was my second surgery, um, even if it's not your second, doctors normally tell you, are you married yet? Are you getting married soon? Um, why don't you wait? So when you have your baby, you can take it out. But one doctor told me, if it's life-threatening, then you need to take it out. And the fact that it was in my ureter, um, at that point, sometimes I'll be peeing like, you know, crazy. So, um, so it was literally sitting on it. It was sitting on it. So, um, so I was like, you know, I need to take it out. So I took it out. Um, but How many were there by this 34. Point? By the time I took it out. By the time I, I, I traveled for... And okay. then when I saw, there were a higher number than what I saw in Nigeria. And... Um, the doctor was like, what you should do is an MRI because we, you know, these Oibo people are can, can be pretty thorough with what they do in Nigeria. So you have so many, they might not suggest Nigerian doctors are always, um, concerned of the fact that you might not have the phones to do an MRI or okay. whatever. So they will say, okay, you know what? That's okay. what the scan shows. Then whatever they see, they take it like that. So I did an MRI. I did two, one for my lower, um, abdominal and then for the upper tummy. And um, they didn't tell me how many. I, didn't, I don't even think I even saw the images, unfortunately. But by the time they brought everything out, they brought 34. And she's like, oh, you know what? I took out as many as I could. Because some of them are really tiny. Uh, I took out as many as I could. And um, hopefully you won't be coming back here for a couple of months. First time she saw my scan. Years, rather. First time she saw my scan. It's like, is in your family? I'm like, yes. Like, okay. Because the thing is, people tend to ask, oh, you've dealt with fibroids. Did you ever have an abortion? Like, it's supposed to be linked. And these are old wives' tales. It's not yeah. necessarily that way. I know my cousins have it my mom had this some of my aunties have it so it's like that yeah so you know it's it's kind of like in the family unfortunately wow um i just wanted to to ask about your emotions throughout this period because you said so casually oh you know you had yeah. two surgeries this is you know the first time. before turning 30 by the way yeah the, um, the, the first time at 24 it was you know you don't know what to expect and then they're willing you into your theater into the theater you're like is this able to die <laughs> oh lord <laughs> What's going on? You know, we came out of it. It's very painful. Yeah. Ah, the healing is, uh, it's its crazy. I remember my friends came to see me uh, when I got home from the hospital. I had a friend who stayed with me in the hospital throughout. She was taking care of me. My parents would come and see me and go, but this friend slept with me. Big, up, big ups to Cheese a Big Willow. I'm really grateful. I'll always remember what she did for me. And um, when I got home, my friends would drop by. I will now be laughing. It thing will be paining me. One day, as I laugh finish, the pain did not go. <laughs> I was in pain. Like, you can't cough, you can't laugh. It really hurts because it's a deep surgery. Yeah. So I called my doctor. They told me to take a certain drug and it was better. Um, but when I did the second time, the procedure was a whole lot different. Um, uh, then I remember the thread they used that year. It had to melt. Okay, like but, dissolve. Yes. Yeah. But the second time, there was no thread. You know, it was like, it was just different. It was very different. Uh, even though some people say, yeah, it was, it was in a different country, but the procedure was quite different. And it was easier. The pain, the same thing. They'll give you painkillers and everything. But maybe it's because I was more mature. Okay. And the certain things were taken into consideration. But it was just about the same thing. Now, when it came, you know, we have a lot of sort of um, stigma attached to yes. reproductive health in general. Oh, yes. So I'm even specifying with things like fibroids. You have people that say, ah, don't tell anybody, yes. nobody will marry you, yeah. yes. all those sorts of things. Um, I want to ask about your fear with, 
with those kinds of issues? Did you have any personal, personal um, fears? Yeah, with, I had, with, I had, in terms of being in a relationship and, and telling somebody no, about this. I would tell you about it because it's you, my did, story. Did you also have any fear about even the idea of having kids or not having yes, kids? Yes, yes. That, that, I, that I know would be a challenge. That definitely I know would be a challenge, but it wouldn't be impossible. Okay. You know, um, I mean, there are ways that people kind of, I mean, science has helped us in so many ways. So, I, I mean, there's the IVF option, the surrogate option. Yeah. There are lots of options. You can use your eggs in a surrogate. So, yeah. it's fine. As for the stigma, my parents are more afraid of it than I am. Because um, I believe that if you're going to be with me, you are with me. We are with my, look, the truth is, even, even if I do get pregnant, I have to be treated properly like an egg. If you don't love me, you cannot deliver the care. So, let's know from beginning <laughs> if you can handle it or not simple mm. you know i mean it's just i just feel that if if someone's going to be with you you want to lay all your cards on the table and say this is it yeah. you're either in or out now a lot of people especially when they're single they're not married you know or they're not ready to have children they they get scared there's this fear about fibroids and they're like do you know what i'm just going to just yeah it's not my portion and it just it's just there it keeps growing what, what would you say to people like that because it's it's as though we don't take care we don't pay attention to our reproductive health until we are about to start that's having true. children that's true that's true um the thing about fibroids is that three out of every five black women has it some white women do yeah. i was watching this um desperate house no not desperate house housewives of one, one of those housewives new york so, and one okay. of them has it you yeah know? so and she's white and she's skinny so you're like, oh, where is it with the belly? You know, but the thing is this, um, we have to, no matter what, life has given, you know, life throws up a lot of challenges. And if this is my challenge, then I will take it on. It won't kill me. I will overcome it. I'm not saying that people have not lost their lives with those surgeries. Yeah. They have. But what can you do? What can you possibly do? I mean, it seems like you went through different doctors as well yes i did so I what did. what advice would you give to people because i think sometimes people want to get different diagnoses from different people. yes i think that's important because you take away something from everybody you talk to somebody tells you this you know that i really I, i'm not for this so i wouldn't go with this i'd rather go with this but somebody who gives you the holistic um picture and yes and tells you what you need to know about your situation and even like the doctor the last doctor that operated on me she told me after this is what you should do okay like the first time i had surgery they say oh you can have sex for three six months mm. and after that you can have sex you have your babies the second time doctor told me you can't get pregnant for three years. You can't have sex for six months, but you can't get pregnant for three years. Because, I mean, you know how they say it's better for the fibroid to be one when they okay. cut it out so that you have only one scar. But because I had as many as 34, they would slice it here, slice it there. So each created a scar. So they needed the, scar to, the scars to heal properly before I carry any baby. And it's even at that, when you're pregnant, you have to be careful because carrying a baby to full, full term is a problem. You know, so um, having heard that, and she said, she also said, you have to be where you have services for um, premature babies because anything can happen. It's not saying that it has to happen, but you know, because when you tell people about it, Nigeria, it's not your portion. No, you know, doctors have to eat. Let's face it. And um, the way God operates, I'm a Christian as well. I believe that even in difficult circumstances, when you come through it, you know that it was God that brought you through it, and every experience makes you stronger. So I mean, except you think that you can't go through it, you don't have the stomach to take it, but once you can carry your cross gladly and happily and move on triumph is when you say been there done that and overcame it 
So now, do you do you still have any anxieties about it? Do you feel like, oh, if it grows back, you yeah, know, worse, I'm, I'm, worse possible when they say things like, you hear things like, you know, you might have to have a hysterectomy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, but, you, do you go through those anxieties? Yeah, what I did was like, abdominal myomectomy and you don't do it three times. You know, so I had it twice. So if I'm bleeding again, mm. I will carry my cross to the very <laughs> end. <laughs> you know, they do say that... Um, um, some contraceptives can bring down the okay. blood, the flow of blood. But you know what? I hear that they also make you put up. I'm scared. <laughs> you understand? I'm very afraid. I so, so it means you are, you are still dealing with those anxieties. Yes, especially I am. considering I am. that they, it, it's growing back again. Yes, as I am. Well. I'm, I'm dealing with it, and I'm, I, I, you know, I don't. Sometimes it bothers me, but you know, there's so much to bother about. Yeah, the economy is in recession. <laughs> <laughs> But after a while, you're like <laughs> wondering about it. Doesn't even change. It doesn't so change anything. But how have you? How are you sort of handling those anxieties? I just I don't know. You know the truth is, sometimes I pray, sometimes I cry, mm. sometimes I go to sleep. <laughs> like, like, like there's this time for those who watched the show today on STV. So there was a time I was on the show. I was reading the news. I was from the news. I was supposed to go on and do an interview. So I knew that I wore my. I wear pads and tampons. I wore them at this particular time. I was going to do the news at this. By this time, if after the news I run, I go and change. I don't open the show with them. I come back. I do a few interviews. I run. I go and change. You know? So yeah. these are things that you have to deal with. But what can you do? The question is, yes, you're anxious about it. Yes, it would be nice to have kids. It would be nice to have a normal life and not have to deal with these things. But just worrying about it changing. It doesn't. But as you said, there is, you know, medical intervention now. Yes. And so many options for, there, for there, young there women options, going through yes. the things you're going exactly, through. Exactly. Victoria Peppel, thank you so much for coming on the program. It's been a pleasure. You have helped so many people. You don't I'm sure you don't even understand how much you've helped people by with this interview because this is something a lot of people don't talk about to to the full extent. Some people just glaze over it as well. So I really, really truly appreciate you coming here and sharing with us. And if you have anything you want to say to people right now going through these experiences what would you like to say to them you're not the only one as i said earlier statistics three out of every five black women has fibroids in various degrees or varying degrees so everybody's dealing with something we just know that um that's life life will throw at you challenges you think you can't overcome that's just your head telling you but you know the thing about it is this society puts pressure on you to marry to have kids god doesn't love you any less if you don't marry God doesn't love you any less if you don't have kids. It's about what the value that you put on yourself. And nobody has the right to tell you we're less of who you are because of a condition you did not cause. And even if you did cause that condition, I mean, life is not perfect. That's life. You can't even, there's certain things that you cannot, um, you, I mean, you can't control. Things happen. So bad things happen to good, pe- to good people. Good things happen to bad That's just life. You can't control this thing. The thing about life is forging on and going ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much to our guest, Victoria Peppel. We will be back after the break with some fertility talks from Dr. Abayomi Ajayi. Stay with us. You're listening to Lifestyle and Fertility right here on this station. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Your Lifestyle, Your Fertility. This, of course, is the Fertility Talk segment of the program. And Dr. Abayomi Ajayi of Nordica Fertility Center is here with us. Welcome again. Thank you very much, Wana. We want to talk about fibroids. Mm-hmm. It is such a common issue amongst women, amongst black women, African women, Nigerian women as well. That's right. Um, I just Let's just start from the very beginnings. What are fibroids? Well, fibroids are 
non-cancerous growth in the uterus. And just like you said, they're common in black people. And um, here, they can really be quite big. Um, and usually, they present with... Well, maybe I should say that most of the time, there is no symptom. That's what makes it to be so big. Is there, I was going to ask, any particular reason why they're so big here? Well, they tend to grow faster in blacks. But because here, most people don't go to the hospital, to the doctor, except they're sick. So most of the time, this is missed until it really becomes big. Or because of wishful thinking, some women even feel it, but they, oh, maybe it will go if I pray 10 times in a day or something like that, <laughs> then they keep postponing until, and then they don't see any doctor because there is, they're not sick, as it were. And so it continues to grow. So, or because it does not, most of the time, there are no symptoms. So they live at peace with it. But until sometimes when symptoms now start, and the commonest symptom is that the menstrual period becomes heavier and may be prolonged. And that's most of the time is what scares people that makes them to come to the doctor. They could also have menstrual pain. Okay. It said that the fib- the uterus is always trying to get rid of the fibroid every month. So the menses could become much more painful. And so th- those are the common things that people and then sometimes they don't even present until when they can't have children and they come to the doctor for infertility and that's when you now see that there is fibroid at the same time. Is it every type of fiber that needs to be operated on? Because we've heard stories where some people say, you know, some people have been told you don't need to operate on it. It can shrink if you take certain medication. For some, they have to take it out. Um, I mean, you know, what is what when it comes to that, that area? Okay, nice question. I think there are three types of fibroids, okay? And um, one is sitting where the baby should be in the endometrium of the uterus, which uh, we call submucous fibroid. There is one in the muscle of the uterus, which we call intramural fibroids. And there is one that is outside the muscle of the uterus, which is like fifth floating in the abdomen, but still attached to the uterus, which we call uh, subserous fibroids. Now, for the submucous fiber, which is the one occupying the inside of the uterus, we believe that it has to be taken out, no matter the size. But you don't have to be caught open for that to be done. We really still come to that. Uh, the one that is in the muzzle and the one that is outside the muzzle, we believe that if they are not up to about 5 cm in diameter, you don't need to do anything about them. Okay, The one in the endometrium is the one that can affect fertility, your ability to get pregnant, because it could also cause miscarriage. You know, because the non-pregnant uterus, the volume is just about five mils. Okay, so if you have a one mil, anything that is even one mm, one cm, it's significant in that space, and therefore that's why we always cancel that it's removed. But like I said, you don't need to be cut open for this to be done. So what kind of procedures um, can, so what can kind of procedures um, can okay? Can they're, they're what we call minimally invasive surgery, okay, which we can use to remove fibroids in the three types of fibroids. Now, if you're looking at the one that is inside the endometrium, then we can do what we call a stereoscopy. Anything that is there is the uterus. Scopy means to look. So there is something like a telescope 
that you can put through the vagina goes through the service and goes into the uterus and you can use that to remove the ones that are in the endometrial cavity in the cavity of the endometrial where the baby should be okay the advantage of that is that it's uh, a day surgery you are discharged the same day um, that means you can start work almost immediately uh, it means that uh, blood loss is almost nothing it means also that um, scarring which is the most important thing for fibroid surgery especially in that space you know I told you just the, the volume is just about 5 mils so so if once one CM scarring is significant in that place so we don't want scarring so as and that prevents scarring to a larger extent so stereoscopy is the way to go when there's fibroid inside of the endometrium you know so but for the ones the other two types when you have the intramural and this subserous then you can't get to it with the stereoscope so if you're thinking of doing minimally invasive surgery then you're talking about laparoscopy which is which means looking into the abdomen and you can we have instruments that can be used now to remove all those things but sometimes the fibroid is too big in this environment that the minimally invasive surgery might not do it so the first thing is to have a proper assessment and see whether it's something that we can do minimally if not you might be uh, talking about open surgery the uh, very formal malmectomy or fibroid removal and for some people especially when they've completed their family the uterus might have to be removed but for this group of people we also need to look at there are some things that you might be able to do depends on the age how near to menopause is this woman because the people who will benefit from drugs really and truly are those people who are near menopause or people who want to have surgery before they have surgery you want to decrease your blood loss during surgery because fibroids are very very uh, bloody you know so during the surgery you might have a lot of blood loss so there are many things that the doctors do in order to prevent blood loss so injection might be one of these but for people who are near menopause then you could use injectables injections to make them like sort of push them into menopause because we know that fibroids feed on hormones and once the, 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 the hormones dry up as it were the rate of growth decreases appreciably now we know that there is also a now we know that there is also a genetic and hereditary aspect, of, right. aspect which also of, means of fibroids as well which also means that for those kinds of where sometimes you have issues where oh yeah so, so what are some of the measures that so so what take, are some um, of the measures that they can take um remedying well if you have done surgery the most important thing is that the extent of the surgery how the dexterity of the surgeon how is able to take as much as possible out that will affect regrowth number one but two it's your own self again now there's some people that what we say is that uh, pregnancy suppresses regrowth so what one of the things we do is advise women when you're having fibroid surgery to start raising a family as soon as possible especially when every other thing is okay if the tubes are open because that might give us the opportunity also to look at the tubes during the surgery. If the tubes are open, if sperm count is okay, fine. If everything is not okay, then you should be thinking about assisted conception at the same time because this we know that pregnancy will sort of tone down the, the chances of uh, regrowth. 
let's address some myths. I mean, we are Nigerians. Um, mm. You know, we always have our old wives' tales mm. going on, uh, spiritual myths around every medical condition. And, sure. and fibroids are no exception. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the ones I've heard or I recently heard was that, you know, people think that people have fibroids because they've had lots of terminations. Um, I don't know which ones you've heard you can share with us as well <laughs> and help us dispel it in the process. Well, I think you're right. People believe that the, the maybe because of the fact that they bleed heavily. So people look at it and say maybe they've had terminations. Yeah, but unfortunately, most of the people who are fibroids, they have fibroids because they, they don't have children or they've not had children. So it's probably unfair to put these two together. Yeah, so it's uh, not right. Just like you said, it's a myth. So, but other things also, the people look at uh, fibroids and, yeah, they say when you do fibroid surgery, you will die. So, and therefore people go to all kinds of extent not to, to avoid surgery. This is also a myth. What you should do is choose the hospital properly. Uh, there is no, even if you do any surgery anywhere in the world, complications can arise. So the first thing to do is to reduce your complication rate by choosing the hospital properly. Uh, sometimes people also think it's the, only the doctor. You can have the best doctor in a ramshackle hospital. The result will still be a disaster. So it, it, it should be wholesome. Your assessment should be wholesome. Look at the, the facilities available in the hospital. Look at the doctors, their training. And then before you step into it. But I can tell you that fibroid surgery is done safely in Nigeria. We just published a six-year review of uh, endoscopic surgery. Uh, we've done about 1,115 uh, stereoscopic uh, uh, procedure that has been reported and we did a six year analysis of laparoscopic uh, removal of uh, fibroids. So fibroids are done very safely in Nigeria. You, I don't think anybody needs to go abroad anywhere for fibroid surgery unless if you have the money. Thank you so much Dr. Bayomi Ajayi. We'll be back after the break and we'll be wrapping things up. Stay with us. You're listening to Lifestyle and Fertility right here on this station. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to the program. That was a very, very inspiring interview from our guests. And um, yes, it's the end of the show. I'm sorry. I know, I know. We could stay here for hours. But you can always reach us. You can reach us at Nordica Facility Center, Abuja, number 27, Queen Elizabeth Street, off Yakubugo 1 Crescent, by Aso Gate Villa, off JF Kennedy Street, Asokoro, Abuja. Numbers to call 01-466-7360 or 070-262-7785. On facebook.com forward slash Nordica Lagos. You can always tweet at us at Nordica Lagos and you can send us an email to info at nordicalagos.org and you can always visit our website. It is nordicalagos.org. Until next time, my name remains Wanawana. See you on the next episode.